Welcome to the 17th episode of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement, where we dive into the great successes of people as they make their ratings climbs. And we also dive into the pits of despair of those of us who can't seem to make any progress despite all the hard work we do. Uh, thank you so much for anyone contributing on Patreon. Special thanks to Terry King and Andrew Perry, who have joined at the Queen level. You're the best. This week, I bring in, uh, I guess, Kevin. It's the Battle of the Kevins this week. That's right. Uh, Kevin, how are you doing? And have you played any chess yet today? I'm doing well. Um, I have played a little chess. It was a correspondence game with a coworker. Um, I studied a fair amount today, but yeah, I played a couple moves in the correspondence game. So Nice. Yeah. I, I myself have had the chance to look over the Moscow variation of the Sicilian a bit. And a tiny okay. bit today of Kostya Kavutsky's new Endgame course that I'm uh, looking at. But before we really get rolling here, Kevin, uh, tell us a bit about yourself and, and where you're at in your life so the audience can get a better idea of like what's your, what's your life situation is like here. Do you have a family? Do you have a, a demanding job? Where are you at? Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I'm 35 years old. I uh, live in St. Louis. Uh, I just got married a couple months ago, actually. So hmm. that's new. We have a dog, no kids yet. So. I still have quite a lot of spare time, um, you know, here and there. So that's good. And my job is not really demanding at all. There's about a couple days a month where I have some busy, pretty busy times at work, but there's a lot of downtime or very slow time. And uh, yeah, that's actually, I'm pretty lucky that I'm able to study a fair amount of chess at work, especially during those downtimes. So yeah, this sounds I hear a lot like, of stories about like people that have families and stuff and can get in like an hour a week or something and studying, but yeah. I can, on a good week, I can study a couple hours a day, usually with, with chess. It sounds like the dream job you have. My goodness. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's kind of a, yeah, it's like a computer mapping and there's, we kind of deliver, deliver a product in the middle of the month, but mm. do a couple special requests throughout the month, but it's a lot of, a lot of waiting until, you know, the, the busier times, so. Gotcha. A lot of waiting until you got to do it now. Yep. Yeah. And then it's like, go, go, go. And then it's yeah. like, okay, okay, we deliver and then we're done. And <laughs> right. then we wait and then it's chess time. So, wow. Well, that kind of sounds amazing. I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm in the wrong career. Uh, teaching, it's hard to find time in the middle of the day. Although I, I will say during my prep periods, I do go into the library and just crush random students at the school. I now have mm -hmm. this reputation of being like, one of the greatest chess players in the world because you know kids who've never played chess before think they're good because they beat their friends and then i smash them into oblivion so that part's kind of fun yeah they think you're a grandmaster now right yeah yeah, exactly and i'm, I'm very clear with them i'm not i'm like an average tournament player and they're like yeah right okay you're just modest yeah, right. yeah. no yeah. no you're just you're just not that uh like good yet it's okay we're all on our journey mm -hmm. all right so when when did you start playing chess um i I, I saw the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer back when I was in high school, um, and I played for about six months there. I kind of, I bought, I think my first chess book was uh, Chess for Dummies, which actually wasn't that bad of a book. Uh, and then I also bought that, um, the Bobby Fischer Teaches Chess book, which I think is notoriously not good. Um, but I played for about six months in high school, and I didn't have friends that were really, really into it, so I more or less gave it up. And then about four years ago, I stumbled on a chess video or something. And then I found John Bartholomew's video channel, which I love to this day. Um, and I saw a lot of his like climbing the rating ladders and um, he has another series like the chess fundamental series. And then I found the chess subreddit and stuff. So I kind of found a little community there and I more recently joined Twitter and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd say about four years of pretty cheery, serious chess study. So. And when you say you, you played in high school, that's pre-internet, right? Or was the or what other things like? Yeah, ISIS? that would have been like maybe two thousand three, I would guess. Okay, so how and did you I, do I that? Had like a little your friends played. Yeah, one of them, one or two of them did, and I I would play them. But yeah, they kind kind of same deal. Like I knew what a fork was, more or less, and I knew like three you know three moves of an opening, so I look like a genius to them. But yeah, yeah, chess is hilarious know. that way. When you know even one more thing more than the other person, they're like, yeah. oh my goodness. Wow, you're a genius. Like, 
nope <laughs> i studied chess for a little bit and that's about yeah. it yeah you're like yes yes i am a genius mm-hmm. thank you yeah, for you noticing it, right yeah <laughs> oh man okay so um you said reddit was your first big community it's interesting i have mostly had not the best experiences on reddit so i'm curious to hear what made reddit such a great community for you i think like there's a lot of yeah there's some silly stuff and then there's some a lot of like yeah smothered mate puzzles and stuff but if you dig there was i i liked actually answering questions from beginners like i was you know a year into it so i was still very much a beginner but I think I got a good gist of how to study and what to look for in games from John Bartholomew. So I tried to impart that wisdom on some of these people that have been playing a month and asked a mm-hmm. question on Reddit. I, I usually caveated, you know, gave a warning that I wasn't a super high level, but like I, I felt like I had a good grasp on how to start studying and getting into the huge world of chess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like sharing some information and then, there's some I think there's some good advice there and stuff I I don't use it nearly as much as I I used to Um, and really even the Twitter I kind of I kind of go on the chess Twitter every now and then but I try to follow some of the advice of like stay away from too much of that reading about chess and (laughs) watching stuff and more like doing the active studying and the active work Mm because I think there's a lot of chess entertainment and stuff that's fun but it's not really super valuable if you want to get better you know yeah, you can definitely get distracted by Twitter or Reddit for a good hour. And then you're like, wait, mm-hmm. that's not chess time. That was that was just fun yeah. time. I should have been studying. And that's their job. The app's jobs are to, you know, keep you engaged and keep you looking at their own app. Like, yeah, you got to put exactly. it away sometimes, I guess. So um, the advice you were giving to beginners then, is it is it advice you would still give to beginners? And if so, what does that advice look like? I guess so. It, it was a lot of play slower games it was really kind of repeating what john bartholomew said and it's play at least 10 minutes a game analyze the game afterwards look for mistakes try to do it without an engine if you can look for as many mistakes as you can and then turn the engine on if you want um stuff like that you know and just avoid blitz i still avoid blitz to this day i play a little bit more but early on the first couple years i really just did classical on lee chess and some rapid um that's amazing yeah, it's mostly that play slow chess yeah like, yeah that's great so you were able to find both find the opponents for classical chess and find the time to play it on lee chess regularly yeah I, they called back then they were doing 15 plus 15 they called that classical and i think that was one of their like hot button or their like quick button things you could just click it and search and search for a game and it it found a game pretty quick for me so they weren't always great games. I mean, half the time the other player is playing really fast and they have 18 minutes on their clock and I have three minutes left, but you uh-huh. know, I got a potentially better position. So And then you get the messages, play faster, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> You're like, play well, a different time control. You did enter a long game and you haven't uh-huh. used any of that time. I don't really know what to tell you. Maybe you should play slower there, opponent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so you said you're able to dedicate quite a bit of time each week. What are we looking at here? What, what is like a typical day or week look for you time-wise? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually tracked it. Like I think in July, um, it came out to be, I, I worked a lot in July on chess, but it came out to be like close to 80 hours in a month, I think. So mm-hmm. it was something like two or three hours a day if I'm doing the math right, but it was averaging about 20 hours a week of chess study, um, and I was trying to time, I actually, I literally like started a stopwatch just for that month, just to see like how much I yeah. actually do. Um, but I purposely did active study. So it's like Yusupov books or chess tactics, not, not reading about a, a chess strategy or watching the, you know, candidates m- matches or something. I would only be counting active chess study and it came out to, yeah, something like 20 hours. And that would be a busy week. So I would say anywhere from 10 to 15 on an average week. Of, of, okay. Of so we're looking at like an hour and a half to two hours a day kind of thing. Or is it more like 10 minutes one day, three and a half hours another day? It's usually it's usually more balanced of about an hour to hour and a half or two hours a day. And I kind of, you know, at work kind of get settled and if i'm able to look at something for 20 minutes or half an hour so it's not like a block of two hours but Mm -hmm. it might be be 20 or 30 minutes here and there but 
nice throughout the day that can add up to a little bit of time you know so all right and what does your um study time look like if you're doing one and a half to two hours a day do you have like a regimented setup of mm -hmm. i do this much here this much here is it more of like i do whatever i feel like is it i identify a weakness a month and tackle it what are we looking at yeah that's a good question um it's kind of the mix of the first two. It's it's not super regimented where I, I'm blocking out 20, 30 minutes of this, 45 minutes of that. It's I've tried that. And I think a lot of people try that, try to get like the perfect study plan. I, I think Bartholomew had a tweet out a long time ago, but it was something like people spend a lot of time trying to find that perfect improvement plan of how much percentage of the time for every phase of the game and whatever. And he was just like, it's you're better off just doing something you know, some kind of study instead of sitting there for five hours one night trying to make a whole spreadsheet or a document or something. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of tactics. Um, I kind of get on certain books and then I try to tackle that book or at least a big chunk of the book um, and, and try to get through that. I, I like to try to find ways to motivate myself to train instead of just like pick up a book and kind of throw it at the wall. Like maybe I'll try this for a week and see if it sticks there is some of that but at some point I, I like to find a book that's kind of speaking to me or working for me and then try to find a way to um like track my progress through that book through i usually make little spreadsheets or mm. you know find ways to track i've done this many chapters or this percentage of the book or like i did um, a couple i think last summer i did 1001 i had the book somewhere 1001 chess exercises for beginners. Um, hmm. I found that book, it was pretty easy for me. Um, the, the tactics were pretty rudimentary, but I decided to do that all, whole book in a day, kind of like the woodpecker method, but oh, it's an easier okay. book for me. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I was able to make a little spreadsheet and kind of progress through that so I could track my pro, you know, track how far I was getting and how many I was doing a day and project out when I was thinking I was going to finish half of the book all the book when i could you know do my second and third and fourth cycles and stuff so i think finding like chessable does some of that i think and i've used a little bit of chessable but for me at least being able to customize different things like that help me stay motivated and mm -hmm. so it's kind of a mix of trying different books and stuff and trying different ways to track those books and eventually one of those sticks and then i kind of work myself all the way through an entire book maybe even twice or three times sometimes gotcha so sort of gamifying your mm -hmm. learning in maybe not at the same way as chessable but in a way that works for you exactly yeah gamifying it seeing some numbers and instead of just you're on page seven of a book and you're like i'm never going to finish this book but if you have a yeah. spreadsheet or you can say you know i'm almost done with this chapter and then there's only four chapters left or however you want to do it for somebody like me at least that really helps with my motivation yeah you know what helped for me was choosing some short books so i mm -hmm. chose one of the reasons i chose simple chess i chose it because everyone talked about how great it was and then i saw how long it was and i was like now that's a book i can finish right like when it's i short, start right? that, yeah even when I'm 10 pages through, I'm going to be like, there's only 80 left. I might as well finish this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like less than a hundred. Yeah. So it's... yeah. Um, that's kind of with that 1001 book. Cause I have woodpecker and I did the first 222 easy problems. Mm. And I eventually recycled through those to do them in a day. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do the intermediates. And then, Oh, there's 700 and something <laughs> of these. Holy crap. And then I did like yeah. three pages and they, for me at that time, they were much harder. Um, and I was slogging through them and barely getting them and taking a long time. So that's a good example of like customizing. I was like, okay, no more of that book. Let me try this easier book. Because mm -hmm. somewhere in the introduction to Woodpecker, they say, make sure the puzzles are relatively easy for your level. So I found this other book that I could much more quickly solve the problems and then eventually do it all in one day. And that, you know, I'd rather do that than like bang my head against the wall for these 700 intermediate problems. So. At yeah. least, and this is for pattern recognition with i i approach tactics like you've got to do the pattern the easy pattern recognition ones but you want to do the harder calculation things and i've heard you talk about this the you reached 2500 on chess.com tactics right 
Yeah. Again, last night, by the way, for like the 10th time, I can't, I, I can drop below oh. it, but I can't get past it. Yeah. So, so I, I probably did what you did where I reached it a while ago, a couple months ago, and I took a screenshot and I actually haven't opened that app yet. Again oh, since. nice. I'm like, I'm going to sit at like 2502 for a little bit. And, but, the, but that doing those going from like 24 to 2500, I was taking a long time on those. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to move and make a mistake and drop 17 points or something, but yeah. So I would sit there and that's that's a whole different version of tactics, which I'm sure you know, but you want to do the quick, easy ones, but you also mm-hmm. I was mixing in those much harder, deeper calculation ones. And I actually should probably get back to that. But um what you what you think of your woodpecker approach at coming out of it? Did you feel like, yeah, I'm seeing patterns? Did it take a few months? And then you were like, Oh my goodness, now I'm seeing all these patterns. What was it? I like? don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um the biggest takeaway was that it was awesome to do that that book in a day and you really after for me not the second but the third cycle is when you start recognizing them and it's Mm. it's i know i don't know the validity of it because it is a little bit some of those puzzles are like you just remember the puzzle and then you remember like oh yeah it's queen h5 or something Mm -hmm. you don't know if am i doing that full calculation or if or, or am i just remembering that the rook on this puzzle is in this weird spot so it's a queen h5 solution so there is some of that but i i i tend to see the patterns a little quicker in those deeper calculation ones Mm -hmm. you know like doing those deeper ones on chess.com where i'm a little bit higher rated i'm using those easier patterns from the woodpecker style books and stuff but they're kind of like stepping stones to solve the bigger, harder, deeper calculation problems, I guess. So I, I, I can't say for sure, like, yeah, doing that book skyrocketed me 250 points or anything, but mm-hmm. it felt good. It was cool motivation. It kept me doing tactics for like two months straight, like a ton of them over and over nice. again. So yeah, I think there's, there's gotta be some, some help with it. I, I don't know if I would spend 10 years doing nothing but you know spaced repetition on simple tactics problems you know but Mm -hmm. i don't think it can hurt i guess yeah there's probably some ceiling to how much you can get but it it sounds like doing the woodpecker method at least once on a basic tactics book is good because like you said even the higher level tactics a lot of them are just building off those patterns there are more complex versions or multiple patterns stacked on top of each other and it's just I've felt that myself. The more I've done tactics, the more I just start seeing stuff um, emerge, even even in my games where it won't even be like, I'll see a tactic. I'll just be like, this pattern is almost there, right? It's not there mm-hmm. now, but now I'm thinking like, if I can lure them here or if they just straight up blunder and go there, I'm onto that tactic already before it's even emerged. And that's been kind of a a big thing for me is to be able to, see tactics as they're developing rather than just reacting to like, Oh my goodness, yeah. I found a tactic in my game. Woo. Did you see the Toth video a couple of weeks ago where he kind of, he talked about patterns, but how they yeah. slowly evolved, you know, it's not going to be, here's a fork in one move, but it's like, right. you're seeing this mate on H seven, but you got to do a couple. Yeah. That was a great video. Yeah. I really like when he makes those videos, the building on top of one another videos. All right. Quick Andres Toth plug. Um, he has this new series that I find just amazing where he is going through pawn structures, kind of like Daniel Rio's pawn structures book and being like, mm-hmm. here's the French pawn structure and here's how you should play within it. Now, here's that same pawn structure developing in all these different openings. And now that you know yeah. how to use that structure, you can apply it to different openings. So I highly recommend that, that series of videos. I think it's only two in the series right now. But if everyone watches it, then he'll make more of them which will make me happier in a selfish way. I'm plugging his videos <laughs> to help me and hopefully help you in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen a couple of those. Those are, those are good. The speaking of the Rios book, I I've had that for a while and um, I just recently started to make little flashcards a la Neil Bruce. Um, but it's, it's kind of like, yeah, what Toth was talking about and it's the kind of just the pawn structure but I have I have just the diagram of the pawn structure on the front of the card with a bunch of questions that Rios kind of Rios lines out the plans for every structure yeah for both sides and stuff and I'm trying to yeah the front of the card has the has the diagram and then a bunch of those questions like what you know White's plan if 
he wants to play in the center or on the mm. queen side or whatever and then trying to go through those and answer those questions and i i've just started that but that seems i'm like hoping that'll help idea. me yeah I'm i think i'm gonna do that as well have you been murdering books in the process like neil bruce does or do you do it no i so i yeah i own the book but i found like a, a pdf of the book where okay. i'm or i kind of built with this one i just built um in like leech has board editor i mm -hmm. built the little pawn structures i dragged little pawns in there and then screenshotted it yeah sent it to my computer and then in word i kind of used my book and typed up all his questions yeah that's how i would do it too um i, I, don't yeah, know. I just have one book i don't i don't want to buy like three of these books and then yeah yeah, yeah. exactly i don't know if this is available to to the listeners of chess journeys but i imagine there's some people out there who would be like kevin You've already done all this great work. How about how about you make it available to me on Twitter or something? The flashcards? Yeah, I mean they sound great. <laughs> I did take a little little photo of them, but it was like a messy photo on my couch of the okay. of the cards. I don't know, know if that's cop if that's if there's copyright problems. With oh that yeah, you know what? I don't know how that works. Probably is. I don't know. I'm I'm not a copyright lawyer. But a lawyer you're probably so. right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you have to make your own flashcards. Sorry, sorry everybody. You know, I think there's some value in making them too. Like mm, it's the whole thing about taking notes. Like you're writing it down. It's you're processing it once as you're writing it down. And so, yep, that's a great point. The process of going through what are the questions I should ask myself, and then writing mm -hmm. down the answers, and yeah. then testing yourselves on the answers. So that, that's a great process idea. That make make note cards like this, make flashcards, or however however it is you study. I've been tempted to do that with Shanklin's Small Steps book. He has all these great rules for all these different positions and stuff. And as I was going through, I was like, yeah, I got you. I got you. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm done and it's been like a month, I don't remember a single rule from that yeah. book. So that's what I'm worried about. Like reading these books, they hit you, they connect with you so much. And then yeah. what if I forget all this in two months? And you, pr I probably will. So yeah, I think yeah. I'm going to make flashcards for Shanklin's because he really you lays so it up very clearly. Like, here are three rules that you should take away from this thing. And I was like, okay. So, yeah. I find it really helpful with, like when I was learning some basic in-game stuff, like getting several different, like opposition, for example, getting mm -hmm. several different definitions of opposition or examples. Like I saw Ben Feingold talk about it. It was like a kid class from St. Louis Chess Club or whatever. And he did something and he's like, what is this? And all the kids said opposition. And I'm like, what the heck are they talking about? So that, that was my introduction into opposition. So I learned about it, but then I, I kind of got it, but didn't totally get it. And then learning about it from a different YouTube video than an in-game book. So like, you know, he, you know, learning these basic ideas from different sources, they explain them slightly differently. And for that helps me a lot too. So I wonder if the Shanklin book might kind of complement the chess structures book pretty well. Maybe I I found them to be a bit different in that chess structures okay. is laying out each of the different types of like openings and their structures and then talking about how to use them. Whereas Shanklin's book was a little more on like um, uh, using pawns to block the other players pieces or using pawns to open up files and and diagonals okay. or you know like just how to use pawns. So I think they're great complement but not covering the same topic, more like two books that cover pawns very differently and would complement each other really well. I yeah. see. So it's more, yeah, it's pawns in general, like middle game mm -hmm. opening and game on. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like if I was to do a pawn course, I would want to just work with those two books and be like, yeah, I have a pretty good handle on pawns now. You're a pawn grandmaster. Well, if, if you can remember what's <laughs> in the book, because apparently I can't remember yeah. anything that's in this book. For a day, I was a pawn master and yeah, uh, yeah. jumping in. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's rough stuff. Um, before we get too much farther, I guess, I need to ask the magical, horrible question, which is, by whatever metric you use to measure yourself, what's your current rating? Mm-hmm. Um, I would... My favorite rating is my over the board rating because that's that's like 1509 right now it, it is 1509 but it's like provisional over 16 games mm. but that's kind of the one i'm looking at for my ultimate goal i'm trying to reach 2000 maybe possibly at some point down the road if that's possible but that's kind of my the rating i'm looking at most um and then i play on lee chess mostly and that's in the 1870 range right now um 
I, I made a joke on Twitter, but like everybody's underrated, right? Everybody will always say like, I'm this, Everybody. but I'm actually more like this yeah. plus 200. So I'm like 2400 strength. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm, I'm, I don't play as many games as uh, most people do. So I do, I spend a lot of my chess time studying, practice, you know, doing calculation and stuff. So I, cal- I figured it out a couple months ago and I play like an average of five games a week. Like mm. from from the beginning of my Lee Chess account, I just added up all my games and then divided it by weeks. And it came out to like five or so games a week of mostly classical and rapid and some blitz. So I don't mm-hmm. don't play that much. I do a lot of time studying. Um, but so there's pluses and minus with that. But yeah, my, my rating right now is like 1870 on classical oh. and rapid. They're both about the same there on Lee Chess. So. And do you find then maybe your USCF might be lagging then if you only have 16 games, have you not really been able to get in enough games to really accurately reflect where you're at? Or do you think it does reflect pretty well where you're at? I don't, I think it's, it's getting closer. I don't know. Yeah. So when I first started, it was my first provisional rating was 973, which Hmm. was like, Oh, I think that happens to so many people. Like you go in there expecting like I'm 16, 1700 leech us, whatever, minus four or 500. Uh huh. To get my over the board, I'm probably gonna be 11 or 1200, and then like, yeah, you get your first rating, and it was like less than a thousand. Like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, but uh-huh. um, yeah, it's uh, I, I think yeah. So like, I played some more games. I got 16 games, and, and it's it's going up pretty quickly. But it's my last tournament. I gained like 120 or. The 30 points that's the nice part of provisional and like yeah. you know you, you make those big jumps early so i'm kind of still in that early stage of making big jumps but mm-hmm. um you know i'm gonna i've done two tournaments and i know i'm gonna eventually play a tournament and then it's gonna be a little more lackluster and i'm gonna kind of plateau at some point so i don't yeah i, I don't really know when that's gonna be but i i would guess i'm in the yeah 1600 range hopefully i mm-hmm. really don't know though so. so what i'm hearing is you're underrated yeah, everybody's underrated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's not underrated. I'll tell you yeah. who's underrated. My daughter is underrated. She has played like I think it's like 15 USCF games online rapid. Mm. She has zero wins and one draw, and her rating is 100. It is the lowest you can possibly be. Holy moly. Wow. And she's at least 500. I'm just saying. She's pretty good. She's pretty good. She's the best 100 you'll ever play. Uh, does she I, play really quickly? Like, does she play her moves really quickly? sometimes it's it's an interesting mix where sometimes she's playing too fast she gets kind of rattled because you know like in a tournament you start playing people a lot better than you and then as the tournament wears on you play against people your own strength if you are unaware of how tournaments work that's how the swiss system works so my daughter will play in these kid tournaments online and she plays against like an 1800 who just smashes her into oblivion right and then she's like a little bit upset by that Round two, the same thing happens against the 1600. And now she's all rattled and she's finally starting to play people her level, but her confidence is kind of hurting and the day is not as good. And it's online. So you don't get like the joy of the camaraderie of other kids. She's just like getting crushed by this faceless computer. So um, by the end of the day, usually she's like ready to leave the tournament. Right. And I'm like, well, you're finally now playing someone worse than you. And she's like, still losing because you know she's not in the right headspace so it's an interesting lesson to everybody out there when you go to your first tournament if you get utterly destroyed the first two games if you're in like an open tournament that's kind of how they're designed they're designed for you to just get smashed your first two games and then as you move down uh the ladder you'll you'll play people closer to your level have you had that experience at all kevin or have you been able to play in like sections with people at your rating I had some of that. I mean, yeah, the first time I went to an over the board game, um, it was, there was a lot going on. So it was, yeah, it was tough. And and I'm, you know, I'm not even a little kid, so I couldn't imagine being a little kid and trying to go figure all that stuff out. But yeah, you're going to play kids. I mean, speaking from like a, yeah, an adult chess improver, you're going to play kids. They're going to play fast and you might get intimidated by it or assume they're child prodigies or something, but uh, I had a, it's, it's helpful to just calm down and kind of take your time. If you're playing a classical game, I'm speaking classical games, but 
I think there's a lot of points to be won by, you know, games to be won by just taking your time and not playing fast because the other person's playing fast. Just kind of, you're going to lose, your, your first couple of games are probably going to be strange and not what you expected. And because it's all a new experience, at least for me, you'll go in there and there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of simulations and clocks and writing down your move. And I forgot to hit my clock like seven times and the, the kid kept pointing to it. So like, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. That was um, nice that they pointed to it. Some people would yeah. just be like, oh, cool. Free time yeah. for me. Nice. But you'll you'll get, you know, you just have to trust that you'll get used to it and you'll it's all a learning experience, those first couple games. And at some point, if you stick with it, like you'll get a lot more comfortable. And for those weekend tournaments, you'll start to get a little routine and like show up a little early, make sure everything's where you want it. Don't stress yourself out. You know, it's just a game, it's just chess, you know. But yeah. Um it's so hard. It's like, on the one hand, it's just chess, right? But on the other hand, as an adult improver, you've probably like made some deal with your significant other to watch the children. And then you've driven three hours and paid a lot of money for a hotel room and all this stuff. And then you get to the board and you're like, it's just chess. And then in the back of your mind, you're going, yeah. is it really? <laughs> it's not serious at all, but it's so serious. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of hilarious. I think you said something really interesting that's important. Not every kid you play is a child prodigy, right? Like most of them are. They're just kids having fun playing chess like you. Um, and kids often just play fast, right? So if they're playing fast in the opening, it's not necessarily true that they've just got the whole opening memorized. They may just be impatient or just making some moves. So yeah, and they'll whip out a move. Like the last I I played in Indianapolis in last in September and the last round this kid played this move and he took a pawn and i'm like that hangs your knight dude and then i'm like no holy it was a totally legit pawn grab and then i freaked out i was like oh he played that so fast he must have seen that like two moves ago and i just now realized it 30 seconds after he played it and i was like this kid is going to destroy me and then uh -huh. but that that'll happen but it's a 90 minute game you can let that feeling go past and then be like okay hold on i got this and then or yeah. at least maybe you got it who knows but you know, clear your mind and start just looking for a better move or the right move or something and try to get out of it. Yeah. But there is an instinct sometimes to just, yeah, assume like, oh man, this kid's good. He's 1600. He's 12 years old or 10 years old and mm -hmm. played this move I wasn't seeing. So there's some of that, yeah. but yeah, just calm down and try to play a good chess move, I guess. Yeah. A piece of advice I would get is don't sit at the table the whole time unless you need to. Like, I, I really found it helpful to get up, walk around a bit, you know, I'm usually sort of hanging out near the board, but then like when the opponent moves, you don't have to like run over as fast as you can, right? You can still just come on over like normal, take your time. I mean, the, the game is quite long now. If it's at and the if end of the play, game, time travel is a whole different deal, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And they'll, some players know their openings well or or they play very quickly and mm -hmm. after like four or five moves sometimes i'm out of i don't i might, might be out of my opening book I, i'm not yeah. great with my openings so i think some people also have a tendency i talked to a couple people at the tournament and they said they were that both sides were playing really fast and it's okay like if your opponent plays their moves really fast and you don't know what's going on, you don't have to match them. I think some people, mm -hmm. the guy I talked to at least, he seemed to have a tendency to try to match his opponent's play, but because the kids, they'll play, and if you don't respond in 10 seconds, they're probably going to get up and go walk around, go look at their friends' games or whatever. So mm -hmm. it's okay to sit there and wait and take a minute or two if you don't know what the fifth move of this opening yeah. is. You know? And you should, by the way, because you could quickly get in a rough spot. Yeah. Um, I think there's some some psychology there, right? Of like, I don't want to let my opponent know that mm -hmm. I don't know this opening. So what what I tend to do is I tend to try to take like a minute for each move. Like even even if it's like they go e4, and I just kind of kind of think for a moment, you know, like I know what I'm going to play most likely, but I'm like trying to be methodical, and that's my own psychology of like, yeah. You know, I'm going to be methodical about this opening. It's not going to be as revelatory when I'm when I'm out of book. I didn't blitz out the first eight and then went like, oh, I'm just kind of like taking a methodical approach. I have no idea yeah. if that's the right way to do it. That's just that's a what good I do. point. I like this aspect of of 
like over the board chess because there is at least at the lower levels there's a lot of little psychology like that because there are times where i'm playing and i see this like two or three move tactic and i i play the first two moves and i i've had the instinct to like i want to bash out that third move like i saw it you know the whole time and then look like a a badass you know yeah i'm not not sure if i'm supposed to (laughs) curse sorry but um you know you want to be like oh boom put that third move down yeah but yeah you have so much time you don't have you want to look cool but like mm-hmm. it's okay and a couple times i was going to bash out that third move but then i see oh this is a much better move so there's some of that yeah. psychology too like you want to yeah show up there's something i really struggle with too like it's something i've isolated with myself is that when i calculate three four or five moves down the line i'm overconfident and when i get to that fourth move i do bash it out and then look at the board and go wait what no, yeah. no, 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 no. I didn't, <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that guy was there. Yeah. That's where those chess.com, or at least the harder, whatever app you want to use, those harder calculation problems, you can't do any of that. Yeah. You, you can't bash them out. I mean, the computer won't care, A, but B, but there's so many intermezzos and little things you want to watch out for. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I get burned on those so many times doing it because what I try to do what everyone says with the tactics puzzles, right, which is fully solve it before you move, and I do. Um, but then, uh, if I don't check, you're right. Oftentimes as I get closer, I'm like, okay, no, I had the motif, right. But you're right. There was this little move that had to insert in there and now I'm seeing it as I'm getting closer. And so it's like, there's two parts of me. There's the one that's like, well, that's cheating, right? Like if you didn't see the whole tactic, then you didn't see it. You should bang Mm -hmm. them out. But then the other part of me is like, no, 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 this is good training. When we get in the games, we're not going to do that. We might notice something yeah. as I'm going, and that's okay. I would rather see it all ahead of time, but I'd rather not lose the game. Now, yeah, be- you can take a little checkpoint, take a break, and look at yeah. the board before you, you know, play the next move. Exactly. Um, so you said you're in St. Louis. Uh, mm-hmm. What is that like? Do you feel like when you – did you were you in St. Louis when you started picking up chess, or did you move to St. Louis once you had picked it up? No, I've, I've lived here. I grew up like an hour away, and – yeah, I lived here before I got back into chess. Um, I've okay. lived for like 11 years in the city. So did um, you know St. Louis was important for chess before you started playing? Or was it like, oh my goodness, I just happened to be in an amazing spot? Yeah, the second one. Um, oh, that's so It was cool. somewhere watching those Bartholomew videos and then St. Louis Chess Club videos popped up next to it. Like, well, cool. They have a, I don't think I knew they had a chess club here. And, and I clicked them like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, St. Louis. And then yes, the Yasser videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like the first, that first over the board game, I pl- I started in February 2020, right before, you know, so I got six games in and then the pandemic hit, but that first over the yeah. board game, yeah, at the end of the game, I, I lost to the kid in like 20 moves. Dang it. He was super nice, by the way. That's um, cool. Yeah, he was really, really kind after the game, but uh, I walked down and Yasser Sarawan was just sitting by the front desk. <laughs> I was all in my head about losing to him. Like, I yeah. lost my first game. I'm supposed to be in the over 1600 section in three weeks and i can't you know i was supposed to win this game but he was right there i wish i would have said something to him but yeah there and i i'd been to the, the club a few times before that for the the sink field cup and some of those hmm. the u.s championships or whatever so yeah yeah they let what's you know the club like it seems like it's wonderful is it as cool as it looks or is it like a regular old chess club well it's the only one i've been to i guess so it's <laughs> but I, I it's cool it's, it's kind of yeah yeah <laughs> It's uh it's in an old building uh in a cool part of town and um yeah he just bought up some extra some buildings next to it so they're expanding right now and I haven't been back since they started expanding but um yeah the main club is in a in a uh kind of an older building and you go upstairs to go to the playing hall where the same place that they play those you know the big tournaments that's where that's where you'll play and your the little club games and stuff it, they're different boards they don't have those awesome chess boards with that green triangle thing i love those those boards look so cool mm-hmm. you know they give you a little they're still decent decent equipment but yeah you're in the exact same room that they play in and that's cool it's pretty cool yeah sounds like a lot of fun i los angeles uh at least near me none of the clubs are open so i'm just kind of like i hear there's chess that takes place in chess clubs let's, let's yeah they're going. open um and they have like that plastic shield up in between oh, okay. the, the players and they're open up for uh, people to come in and play open games and then they hmm. are like casual games, I guess. And then they have, they're doing like rapid and blitz games on the weeknights and like Sundays or something. But 
I, I'm I'm a classical person. I, I I need time. I need to take my time with chess. I don't have that intuition yet to be good at blitz or rapid, and it's just it's infuriating to me. Like I'm should be better <laughs> than this, and I can't do it. So I need I need those longer games, and they're not doing classical games right now for for the club players. So. Uh huh. Okay, that's interesting. So I'm gonna guess you don't play bullet then. I've like maybe played three bullet games in my life. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at as well. It's funny because the kids always want to play me in bullet at school. And I'm like, actually, you might be able to beat me in bullet. Yeah, only because it's a great have, equalizer. Yeah, I have no idea how to even play bullet. I would run out of time every single game. So, yeah. All right. So you said, for, if, I'm, if I'm correct here, that you did quite a bit of tactics. Like you went through and you did a whole woodpecker book. So that's cool. Um, it sounds like you've been doing some strategy. Uh, and you said it sounds like you haven't been doing that much opening prep. So where's your openings at? Did you go through a period where you kind of like put a little bit in, got a repertoire, and then now you're just like, I'm not, I'm not going to memorize a million moves. You've never done that. What's your opening prep been like? Um, <clears throat> it's it's very haphazard. And it's one of those that I come back to every couple months. Like, I'm going to get to do more openings. And so it started very broad. Like, I'm going to learn all the major opening names, like what the what the scotch is, what the Rui is, what the Queen's Gambit, all that. And I would kind of get sick of it and come back to it every couple months. Um, but where it stands right now is I have a, I, I got a book starting out D, I'm a D4 player and it's called Starting Out D4, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of just went through that book and put all those, um, all those openings in a chest tempo opening repertoire. Hmm. And I started to kind of quiz myself with those, but it's kind of that thing where you're just memorizing, oh, memorizing moves. And I was, I got some of them pretty good, but other ones I'm like, why are they playing H3 here and not here? You know, very <laughs> yeah. specific, just straight memorization. And it wasn't sticking. I wasn't doing it enough. So that's when I got back into that chess structures book, which I bought mm -hmm. that a couple of years ago, but I'm back into it lately. And I'm trying to stick with more of the ideas behind the moves. Mm. Even if I don't have the move order right, you know, gotcha. I, I'm not I'm not following my repertoire perfectly, but I'm mm -hmm. getting the the ideas behind the structures instead of like, yeah. do I play H3 on move six or move five or do I play mm -hmm. D4 break or the you know E4 break at this point or you know it's I can't it's not going to stick with me. But the gotcha. the broader structures is what I'm trying to stick stick with. Yeah, so you're more you're trying to learn an opening repertoire via plans rather than via moves. Yeah. Which, yeah. And my white's pretty good. My black, I, I like, I don't have much of a black repertoire mm. against D4 and I kind of just wing it. And I, from what I've read, it's, it's kind of okay at, at my level. Yeah. And that's why I might have to take 10 minutes on move six and I'm losing a little bit of time there, but that's, sure. you know, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Right now. Just playing kind of by opening principles, just like, develop your pieces yeah. get the center that kind of stuff yeah yeah the anderson thing just and like i saw that it was going around ben feingold video where he's just like openings don't matter and i watched that video like 10 times and it's just really wrong with me he's, <laughs> it was like yeah if your openings if you memorize openings and your openings are at the 2000 level but you mm -hmm. still blunder like a 1200 then you're going to be a 1200 yeah exactly and like like that's that rung true with me at least, you know, yep. that's kind of how I am with my openings. I do a little more than that in that I, when I first learn an opening, I try to put more time in, but then I'm, I'm not, I'm trying not to focus on it very much. So like I, I have a very limited, um, I have an opening repertoire that I put into chessable that I was going through every day. And then now I've been doing some tactic stuff on chessable every day. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I don't need, I don't, I, I like you. I don't, I'm not sure that learning, a lot of lines is, is the best approach for myself. But I am kind of working on the uh, Sicilian, uh, the Moscow and Rosalimo. So, you know, today and probably for the next week, I'll kind of just be more getting the plans, right? Of like, in this structure, what am I supposed to do? Like, I have the first few moves down, but what's my plans? What's my goal? And that, I think I'll be happy mm -hmm. with that. I've done a little chessable, and I think for me, there's a tendency to play the next move, like, to test my memorization, but I think I would get more out of it if I slowed myself down in every single move, ask what's my move, but what's the reasoning for this move that I think I'm supposed to make in this line. And yeah. I think that would be a way I could get more out of it. And when I pull the same with the chest tempo opening repertoire trainer thing, it's 
I just fell into a habit of trying to play the moves really fast to see if I had them all memorized. And then it yeah. wasn't, you get in the game and something is a little bit, their move order, the opponent's move order is a little different. And yep. it kind of goes out the window. But. I've had some meetings with coaches that go like this. What, what'd you do there? I'm like, Oh, um, it's the line I memorized on chessable. And they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, okay, let me rephrase that. It's similar to a line I memorized on chessable. And I just yeah. used it here because, uh, I wasn't sure what else to do. And they're like, yeah, you can't really just put lines wherever you want them. Like, that's why it was a specific line that you were learning. Um, mm -hmm. I've done kind of like what you were talking about with the flashcards, where I like to, on Chessable, build my own repertoires. And then I put the plan for each move, right? So that, like, once I make the move, it not only tells me that was the move, but this was the plan you should have had. And so that, I'm constantly revisiting that. And then as I go through it more, I'm, I can skip that quicker because I remember the plan. But anytime I forget, I can be like, okay, right. That's why I'm doing this move instead of this move. Um, and, and I like just the process of building it. It's like you said, that's helped me a lot. And I don't build that deep. I build like, you know, seven moves in or something. I bought uh, a niche Geary's Nidor, of course. And they were like, just memorize these 28 moves and you'll be fine. And I was like, I don't <laughs> think that's going to work for me. <laughs> what I did, I, I that's... Yeah, that is a major problem with with those courses to me. They show you the lines that the grandmasters play, but mm -hmm. so even with that dark starting out D four book, it's pretty similar. It's like, oh, here's the moves from master games, but they don't say like the famous one, like in the Sicilian, the Bowdler attack or whatever, where it's like mm -hmm. a pretty early bishop C four. Yeah, Naradisky had his some of his like speedrun videos. Those early ones where he was playing the Sicilian, they all there was a ton of bishop c4 moves on move two or three. Those yeah. will never be in a Sicilian book or a chess book course, but right. you need to know what to do, why that's bad. And Naradisky explained why it's bad. Mm -hmm. um, but so what I did with building that d4 repertoire, I would I would put in the one, moves from the book, but I would also pull up like Lee Chess database, and then you can select the lower rated games, and then oh, okay. I would take the top two or three moves from the lower rated games, and inevitably one of those moves was kind of a dud or either an outright <laughs> blunder or just a much worse move than anything you'd see in the books, mm -hmm. and then you can kind of turn the engine on and see, try to figure out why it might be a bad move, and then so I my repertoire is like all the stuff from at least my white repertoires all the stuff from that book but i sprinkled in a bunch of those really bad moves from the lower rated lead chest data yeah moves. that's a great idea so i know, so I know, I know how, how to punish them yeah deal yeah. with them if i see them that's why what, what i like about naraditsky's videos so much he is able to take like these what what look like garbage games and really turn them into these educate educational <laughs> gems and masterpieces i've been constantly impressed where i'm like five moves into a video, I'm tempted to just hit stop and be like, this is pointless. And then he's like, it's not pointless. I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you all the things that that person should have done, could have done to refute it. And I'm like, all right, if you're going to do all that, then sure. I thought we were just playing a pointless game now. So yeah, yeah he's an impressive dude in that way. He's great. Yeah. He's like a, he's very similar to Bartholomew to me, like very clear explainer. I'd recommend him to most yeah, any chess player, any yeah. beginner to intermediate chess player, yeah. So if you had to recommend, let's say, oh, actually, let's go back to this. You've talked about the Yusupov books a couple of times. Are you going through all the orange books? That's my plan. Uh, <clears throat> I think last summer I did the most of the first book. I rented it from the library here. Mm -hmm. And then I'm on like chapter seven of the second book. Um, I need to go rent that again, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's kind of an idea, like uh, do the three orange books and then there's a revision and exam book, mm -hmm. um, which I think is an orange book as well. And I think that's supposed to cover the first three books. So that's kind of like a a major improvement goal of mine is to do those because do those three books and then that fourth one, because, yeah, those are great for they cover a lot of the bases. It's mm -hmm. some stuff I've seen before, but a lot of stuff I haven't, especially the positional and strategic chapters are pretty they're really difficult for me some of the early tactics ones are pretty simple so it's a it's a good range of easy-ish to you know stuff i already know to uh really difficult stuff that takes me several you know a couple hours to do a single chapter yeah i was working through it briefly and for whatever reason it didn't resonate with me as much i think it was the quizzes were so tactically oriented 
which is mm-hmm. fine. Like it's, it's cool. I mean, tactics are important, but I think in my head for whatever reason, I was like, no, I'm already doing all this tactics work. When I want to do strategy, I just want strategy. I don't want the, the combination. I don't know what I told myself, but for whatever there reason. There are, the, at least the first book there, it's overloaded with tactics. There's a lot more of the tactics chapters than the other ones. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could theoretically go through and do the positional ones. I, yeah. I like that the tactics ones were somewhat simple. Well, in comparison, because it would give me a break. Like, hey, it's a yeah. chapter on queen or like mate and twos or something, which right. compared, you know, so I could do one of those and then go to the positional one, which is like, pawn weaknesses and those were those were rough for me so yeah that, that's cool i I'm, I'm figuring that out so what are the like if you had to recommend a video series or books to you know a newer chess player what what's going to be your number one recommendations um <clears throat> i'll say bartholomew because that's what i did i guess um the or or naraditsky those two are really good um I just like, Bar- I like seeing like Bartholomew and Nerdisky, just hearing great players explain their thought process was, a, was it blew my mind back four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of s- took the mystery out of what, how you choose a good move in chess, I guess. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's super beneficial for, for newer players. Books, uh, I mean, I, I think the simple tactics books where they're solvable problems, they're, you know, the basic forks and pins and stuff mm-hmm. like the, the 1001 chess exercises for beginners there's one for club player club players which i'm working through slowly but i would say the one for beginners um the exercises for beginners oh there's also i rented that from the library too it's coakley's chess exercises or for kids chess exercises for kids and it's a silly mm-hmm. book but uh the solutions are great like he gives all the lines you know it's not just knight takes f7 for it's it gives the full line it gives uh, reasons why other lines aren't as good um and there's like there's every there's 100 pages and every page every page has three mate problems three material problems Hmm. and then two best move problems and then an end game problem on every page so like do one page a day of that yeah Sounds you great. Kind of learn learn the the tactical themes and stuff somewhere, but that's a great first book, actually. Now that I'm mm. thinking about it, might get that for my daughter. Actually, that that might be really exactly what she needs. And I think um, the pages get progressively harder as you get deeper in the book. So yeah, even the first twenty pages that might be perfect. Yeah. How about coaching? Have you had a coach at all? Have you thought about a coach? Where are you at in that process? I've I've tried twice um people some some person posted on reddit and i i contacted them and they gave me one lesson and it was good we went through a couple games i I think probably to get something out of a coach you need to have several lessons with them i would guess so they can kind of learn about you and stuff Mm -hmm. um so i i didn't give it a fair shake probably but we went through a game and it was a he kind of asked me some questions like what do you see here what's what would you do here why does this work why doesn't this work and that was kind of helpful I I felt like some questions I was like this is really easy but then other questions weren't were a little tougher for me so part of that is probably just not having a good relationship with him and not giving that time but I didn't have a second lesson with him and then um, a couple months later I tried it with somebody else I think post that somebody that posted on reddit maybe he gave me a free lesson which was really nice of them mm. but it was i play the dragon just because of naraditsky's videos i he played a lot of those accelerated dragons in those uh speed run so I, I took that opening up and this second coach he hated the dragon and he so we played a training game and he just destroyed me he's a very good player yeah but he he was very opening focused and i was like yeah i know it's not a great opening at the higher levels that play he played the maroxy bind and mm-hmm the c4 and then i'm like i don't know what to do this is yeah this is a bad opening you're right but nobody plays this at my level like (laughs) nobody plays a maroxy or like this is insane yeah you're right but Uh, he was i think he was really focused on the openings and mm -hmm. at least in that that beginner that first uh lesson so yeah i said i said no thank you for that one and yeah yeah i'm kind of a do-it-yourself person right now um i'm sure there's value in coaching i I just yeah i didn't give it Mm -hmm. enough time and i think i can still 
do a lot of it kind of on my own for now. At least I think with game analysis, that would help, like getting ideas from a better player. That would really help. Mm-hmm. So if either of those coaches, if I could probably contact them and say, can you go through these games with me in depth? I think that's yeah. what I would prefer to do. Yeah, I think that's such a great piece of advice and like how to handle coaching, right? Like if if you, if your coach is somebody who like you play an opening and your coach is like, that's a terrible opening, you have to switch. Maybe that's not the best coach for you unless your opening is like objectively terrible somehow. But like if you're playing the drag and it's a totally fine opening. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. Find someone that sort of meshes with you and then meshes with your needs, right? Like if you if you really want someone to go over your games with you, there's tons of coaches out there who are like, yeah, that's how you get better. We'll go over your games and that'll be how you improve. Other coaches probably have a mentality of like, I'm going to teach you this opening. It's the best opening. You'll learn mm-hmm. my opening and my tricks and that's how you'll get better. And that can be totally fine for someone who, you know, like doesn't have an opening that they're attached to and really wants to go deep into one. So I think it's a, it's a great point that when you're looking for a coach, try to find someone that works for you right? Like the first coach you run into, it's not either like that coach was great or I don't have coaches at all. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. like, like it's like when you were in high school, you can imagine plenty of your high school teachers. You're like, nah, that person doesn't gel with me. Everyone else likes yeah. that person. I don't know why they're the worst. Same thing with coaching. I'm not, by the way, I'm not telling you, you should get a coach. I'm saying for those of you out there, it's a good lesson that uh, if, the, if a coach doesn't mesh with you, just move on to a different coach. They won't be offended. Hopefully um and uh you know it'll be best for you in the long run Mm -hmm. so who knows maybe one day kevin you'll be like i want a coach to analyze some games with him that's cool yeah i really so that the last five round tournament from september i i just i followed jesse cry's uh Mm. advice and i really took a long time and went through those games with no engine and typed up typed up a bunch of thoughts and it took me hours and hours and I got a lot out of it personally but I guarantee a lot of that stuff I wrote down those ideas were not the right idea but Mm -hmm. I think taking my my notes and then going over them with a very good player he can he or she can point out the good ideas and the bad ideas and yeah I turned the engine on after I spent a week on or quite a while on those games and then I turned the engine on and I tried to sort of grade my analysis Mm -hmm. Still, an engine will help a little bit with that, but it's not going to be great. So, yeah, that, that's a good idea. I think that might be something I want to look into. Yeah, it might like, even be worth still doing it. Uh, you know, take that analysis you did and take it to a coach and just go over it with them. I agree that whole like analyzing your games for a while. I do the exact same thing, right? I analyze my games for a while and then I turn on the engine to check. And most of the time, it's like, this is just not helpful. <laughs> like, it's helpful for you miss this tactic. Why are you such a dummy? Okay, that's helpful. But like ideas, it's so hard because you're like, is this a computer idea or a human idea? Like it took me a while um, in the Roy Lopez as white, A4 is a good idea. And now I understand why after I really investigated it. But the computer would suggest it all the time. And I was always like, this does not seem like a human idea. This is just a computer doing weird stuff. And then as I got deeper into like actually looking at it, like you said, not the line themselves, just what are the plans in the Roy Lopez? It was like, oh, it opens up a second attack on another flank. Ah, I see why the computer is doing it. It wasn't just randomly. A4 seems good. So when you get that, you see that idea, the plan with the move, that's when it connects so much stronger than just A4. Right. Ninth move, play A4. Like, what does that mean? But when you see, oh, yeah. these are the reasons you do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I probably saw the computer play A4 hundreds of times in my game analysis, and I never once played it. And then it, once I read the, the book that was going with the plans, uh, then I started playing it wrong, of course. Right. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. this is the moment for A4. And the computer's like, <laughs> even I wouldn't play A4 there. What are you doing? And I was just like, play A4 on the first move. Like, I'm just going to get it over with. This is the exactly. right move at some point. A4 Roy Lopez is the new thing. Move one. (laughs) It's a long transposition into the Roy Lopez, but (laughs) it gets there. It gets there. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So um, last thing, you you play in St. Louis. Do you have any over-the-board tournaments coming up that you've got, like, on the books, or are you just kind of like, we'll see what what happens? Actually, today I saw one, um, potentially. There is one in St. Louis. It's on Thanksgiving weekend. 
Mm. Uh, like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right after. And I yeah. think I'm going to have some family obligations. So I'm going to miss that one probably. But yeah, just today I got an email for for one in Kansas, mm. like a little bit south of Kansas City, which is four, about four hours away. And that's like middle of November. So I'm thinking about that one. Mm. I clicked the, you can go on the page and I clicked entry list and there's one yeah. person who's uh, registered for it. So mm. if, if I can, I mean, if they have enough, if they're going to do a tournament, I guess I'll go, but I, nice. that's a possibility. I mean, I, it's in the early stages, but uh, yeah, aside from that, I haven't seen anything that's quite close enough, but yeah, the, the goal is to get maybe, maybe every two or three months play a tournament. So I think four, if I can swing it for a year, you know, I did one in March, this March, like when COVID sort of let up, I did one in March mm. and then this one in September. So I've got two like weekend tournaments under my belt and yeah. I like them a lot. They're very fun. Um, yeah. I'd love to do more, but yeah, they're, I don't know if they're hard to find or unfortunately St. Louis isn't doing them right now, but they seem to spring up. Chicago has a bunch and yeah. you know, there's a, some places in Tennessee we're doing them in October. So I'll find some, but nothing on the books right at this moment. Yeah, I think I'm going to play in one the weekend you were talking about, the Thanksgiving weekend. There's one in Orange County. There's actually one, I think it's next, not this coming weekend, but the next weekend in L.A. That looks really fun. It's really challenging as a high school teacher and having a family to be like, Friday ended. Now I'm going to go to a tournament for the whole weekend and somehow Mm -hmm. be ready to teach and be a part of the family again on Monday. Whereas with having that week off for Thanksgiving, I can like, get all my prep done, spend time with the family, and then just take a little tiny bit of that break and go play. So that, that's what I'm eyeballing. Right. But I don't know how you feel, Kevin. This is this is the psychology, right? I'm like, I don't know. I played during the summer, and I was super confident. I was studying a ton, and I had a lot of time. And now I haven't had as much time, and I'm like, I'm not on my A game. I should probably wait. And it's like, what? Like, how often am I going to be on my A game? I don't even have an A game. I've got like a D minus game at best. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, I don't know, concern or whatever, but yeah, there's not, these tournaments don't come up all the time and yeah, getting the time for them to sign up for it and go and get a couple days away. It's few and far between. And yeah, you want to be, yeah, it's like a lot of stuff has to come together at the right moment. And then you also have to be feeling good about your chess game. And yeah, I think that's just part of it. I don't know if there's an answer. It's just, and yeah, yeah, it just kind of gets a little tougher, but that psychology um, is so I, weird because it's not like I'm somehow worse than I was in June. I'm probably better. That's been months of daily work. I just feel less <laughs> confident about myself than I felt about myself then, even if I'm better, which is such a bizarre spot to be in. One thing for me helping, like I like to try to go in as comfortable as possible uh, to games. And what I started to do is pull up like a chess.com bot, which, yeah, you're not supposed to play mm-hmm. bots, whatever, but get a tournament size board out on the table and pull, have the bot on, on your phone or next to you mm-hmm. and play the bot, but play it over the board. Cause so you're sitting mm-hmm. there looking at a, looking at the pieces, calculating stuff over the board. Yeah. That helped me. That helps me a little bit. I mean, I don't know if it's going to fix all the psychology, but just kind of getting used to, and you, you can play a low rated bot or whatever, just to yeah. kind of, destroy them and just yeah feel just a little smash bit them and feel good about yourself yeah that's what my daughter does there's a bot on <laughs> chess kid called qwerty and qwerty is terrible like qwerty makes ridiculous moves and just hangs all their pieces oh, my man. my daughter will i'll be like oh you're gonna play a game of chess i sure am and she's like i won i smashed them and she's showing me the game and i'm like what who was this and she's like oh it was against qwerty and i'm like oh <laughs> Stop playing QWERTY. Play some real people. <laughs> QWERTY strikes again. But yeah, it's good practice, I guess, if you want to get your psychology going. So I mean, Kevin, part of it is just you just go and do it and then hope hope you do well, I guess, and have a good time. I think that's what I'll do. That the, See, that second part is tough. If I lose every game, I won't have a good time. That's just how I am. Yeah, so actually, I retweeted it, but Noel Studer said, um, I'll read. I just have Twitter up over here. It says, nice. before deciding to play a tournament, ask yourself, would I enjoy the experience even if I played badly? Mm. If you answer yes, go ahead and play it. If you answer no, think twice if you really want to go spend your time that way. So, Ooh, what great yeah. advice, man. Yeah. Yeah, the last okay. thing I want to do is go, like, drive three or four hours to Indianapolis 
and not be excited to play or be kind of bummed out or like that's not a good time to go play a game and like I didn't take my wife like she doesn't want to go to Indianapolis and sit in a hotel room while I play chess so I was kind of why I'm gonna go to this yeah exactly I'm gonna go to the city by myself pay a bunch of money yeah I better be in a decent mood to like have an open mind to want to have good chess games not necessarily win all five games but Mm -hmm. you know have an open mind to to play good games i guess so yeah that's a good pay attention to that before you sign up and make sure you're ready to go i guess make sure i'm in the right mindset because i agree it's not i don't have to win i just want to feel like i played okay but maybe even if i don't play well i can still learn a lot from all the time i invest into those games so it's yeah. hard because you want to win. You want to win every game, but <clears throat> at least I, I uh, Jesse cry says like, whatever happens, you're going to, if you take a lot your time with all five games, you're going to have five score sheets yeah. that are super duper valuable. So, yep. That's a good point. All right, good. I'm in, I'm in. Who cares Yay. about my, my D minus game? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kevin, like thanks so much for joining me today. Um, where can people find you if they want to have some follow-ups? You you got a lot of great stuff you're talking about here. Where can they find you? Cool. I'll throw my Twitter out there. I, I I've had Twitter for a long time, but I just woke it back up a couple months ago and I pretty much just use it for chess. Um it's high silence 37. So it's like H I G H silence 37. Okay. Yeah, follow me there. I kind of tweet out here and there, not nothing crazy, but little mostly like little improvement things i'm doing or the tournament updates if i'm ever playing but yeah nice well thanks so much for the conversation day it's been really helpful um yeah, find me on twitter at dr skull um feel free to uh support the podcast on patreon chess journeys if you want it'd be very helpful again if you don't want to don't feel obligated just listening is awesome and uh, if you want to throw a review on apple Podcasts. That's super helpful. Also, if it's a nice review, it, it makes me smile when I read them. If it's going to be a really mean review, you can just text it to me privately. It's fine. It's fine. You don't, you don't have to publicly post it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for coming by. And I hope your chess journey this week is a fruitful one. I hope all you see our rating gains. And if it doesn't go well, that's okay. You can learn something from your losses, and you'll, you'll make it through to the other side. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>